The Frituals, written and performed by author Caitlin Costello. Chapter 10. The Sisters. Great, I say, letting the tears fall freely. I'm supposedly the descendant of some great elf, and here I am a blubbering fool. Moraine hands me a handkerchief. Shauna, you are fine. You've been through a lot in the last 24 hours, and no one can blame you for it. Least of all, your family. She smiles at me, and part of me wants to snap that I don't want her sympathy. Now let's begin. I can't think, though. My mind is blank. Words don't want to form in my mouth. I just feel a swirling pit of emotions in my stomach. Fear. Rage. Eagerness. Defeat. But you want me to make them leave. From her sleeve, she pulls a book. On the cover, it says, Fritrul's Ka'aka, which in Elven means chosen of the water. What is this? I ask, trying to make out the author's name. It is a spell book. I will warn you, it is written entirely in Elven, Moraine says. The last of our waterbenders gathered together to create this book in case none of them were alive when you were named. Oh, I say. It is slowly dawning on me how long these people have waited for me. Okay, then can I have some sort of dictionary? My elven isn't that great right now. I stopped my elven lessons two summers ago, I say, flipping through the book, recognizing some of the phrases and not knowing where to start with others. Of course. Now, flip to page five, she says. You should see something that says, Aken Tesuentes. I nod. Got it. I scan the page, trying to translate the complex text. Let me see. Yes. This is the spell that will complete your ceremony, Moraine says, running a hand along the text. Please excuse my asking, but can you explain the royal magic? They couldn't or just wouldn't in my lessons. Yes. I am a spellcaster. There are a few of us left, though we tend to keep that side of our lives to ourselves. Every ruler is able to do two forms of magic up to a certain point. I can cast minor water and spirit magic spells. Many consider my abilities weak. But I was the third child of a king. None of the schoolmasters my father hired deemed it important because none of them thought I would rule. But over the years, I have done a lot more of my own education. Shall we begin? She asks, and I nod. Maureen glances at the book, then begins tracing lines on my face as she speaks the ancient words. Teres apieto aka fogaste akasa. Aka simpore baka timptofalinskito atonke. Fludu patora castana. Earth, air, water, fire, and spirit. Water is peaceful. It floods the rivers and the lakes. Bonaro baktarse evente weing starkfarthor. We thank water for the sweet drink to quench thy thirst. Andare bonara baktaris aka taka aka fuchul tajibi aka. 
And we are grateful to the water, giving power to the water savior. Bless this child with thine power. There is a soft blue glow emanating from her fingers as Moraine brushes my face and neck, the skin tingling under her touch. Her voice grows more intense and powerful as the spell progresses. Her voice falls away, leaving the air buzzing with energy. A chill runs up my spine, sending shivers down my arms and legs. There, that should do it, she says with a sigh, sitting back slightly. She keeps glancing up at my face, but not looking me in the eye, then down at the book again. She does it two more times before I gather the courage to ask, Moraine, is something wrong? Wrong? she says distractedly. Oh, no, nothing is wrong, per se. It's just, well, it never mentioned this. She thumbs through the pages, looking for a specific passage. Ah, here it is. Right. I, well, look. She holds up a mirror that lies on the bedside table. What the book hadn't mentioned at first was a series of intricate spirals, glowing blue, cascading down my face like water. The spot feels cool to the touch, and slightly raised like a tattoo. It is beautiful. I would never have expected this. But, Moraine, how am I supposed to hide now? This is like a warning sign. Oh look, here I come. I'm the water ritual. Come get me. Moraine looks so torn up about it. And I realize then that the pressure she must feel. I am the blessed one who is supposed to protect her people. But things haven't been going well so far. Moraine, don't worry. We will figure it out. It's just a matter of time. The book says it will only appear when you cast magic. So, as long as you don't cast, you'll be hidden. Her voice falters as a deep rumbling echoes off the walls, then falls silent before a massive crash. We look at each other and rush into the hall. Guards rush to and fro as we stand there. Come on. We take off running. We stop when we run into one of the captains. Trying to catch her breath, Moraine asks, Sir, what is going on? Your Majesty, the Dark Ones are at the wall. We are holding them off as best as we can, but it won't last long. Some of them are already inside the walls. They have control over some of the guards. Lady Shauna, I would suggest you run. Run? I can't run. Where is my family? Thank you, Captain. Shauna, let's go. And she pulls me away, running to her rooms. Tay finds a door and bursts into it, hoping that she won't find something or someone who isn't friendly on the other side. The room is dark, dusty, but thankfully empty. She leans against the back of the door, breathing hard through the pain radiating from her leg. You are such a baby, she growls to herself. She clenches her jaw, bending her knee over and over so it won't get stiff. Okay, let's see what I can find. She glances around the room and limps to the window. Tatra slowly peels back the curtain, hoping no one is on the other side. The black landscape doesn't look inviting, but there isn't anyone on the other side to greet her, friend or foe. The curtain is made of a heavy, dark navy fabric. In the dim light, it looks almost black. You could be useful, she says, yanking it down with a clatter. She looks from the curtain to the top of the window. That was stupid, she scolds herself, running to stand behind the door, clutching the musty curtain to her chest. She waits with bated breath for 100 rapid heartbeats. 
She keeps her eyes trained on the floor near the door, waiting for a shadow to pass by. When she feels her heartbeat slow and nothing walks past, she slowly moves to wrap the curtain around her shoulders. It doesn't quite work as a cloak, but she could pull it over her head to hide her face. With one hand clasping the fabric around her throat, Tatra reaches for the door. The handle creaks under her hand and the door lets out a moan of disuse that she didn't notice when she had rushed to get inside. With the door open a crack, she peeks out. One of her now frizzy curls falls over her shoulder and she tucks it away again so she can see to her right. The way is clear. Teacher moves out into the corridor. A bead of cold sweat drips down the side of her neck. She stares hard at the flagstones at her feet. She wants to run, to run as quickly as she can and to just get out of here. But a somewhat more sensible part of her tells her that running will draw more attention to herself than she wants. So she walks, one step at a time, trying to look like everything is normal, like the world isn't falling apart around her. She pauses at a window, trying to determine where exactly she is in the castle. She doesn't know her way around this massive labyrinth. The first step is to get to the ground floor, or to find someone who isn't under Dark One control. She would take either one. The night before, when Shauna had passed out and the elves had carried her off, they had left Tetra and Father in the hall. Tetra had used that time to berate the guard in charge of them. When they were finally taken half an hour later to get a change of clothes, her demands to be with Shauna were eventually given traction. They were taken up the stairs, straight to the infirmary where Tetra had fallen asleep, her head on her sister's bed. Father had gone to explore while she slept. He was stir-crazy. The times where he could stay still as a statue had died with their mother. Tatra continues down the hall. She peers into every open doorway. She can't help it. The empty space draws her in. But even as it draws her in, each doorway makes her pause for a heartbeat. Her footsteps reverberate, letting all who may be near know exactly where she is. She flattens herself against the wall, which she wouldn't give for a good pair of pants at the moment. She cranes her neck around the corner and swiftly pulls it back when she sees movement. Damn it, she thinks. She tries to move as quickly as she can back down the hall to an open doorway. The knob clanks under her hand and does not open. She tries again. Come on, Tatra mutters under her breath. You there, dark one, the guard yells, his voice accompanied by the sound of metal scraping. He has drawn his sword and brought it up in front of himself, ready to use it. Tatra steps out of the shadow and flings away her makeshift cloak. Relax, friend, she says, putting out a hand of encouragement, trying to get the guard to lower the blade. I am no dark one. Lady Shauna, I apologize. Let's get you- I am Tatra, Tatra interrupts. I am not Lady Shauna. I am her sister. She is still with Queen Moraine in the infirmary. The dark ones have taken our father. We need to get help. The guard takes a moment, processing the change in his stance towards her. Would he still protect her even if she wasn't the Fritual? Lady Tetra. Right. Now we need to get more guards. There aren't many of us, but we need to keep you safe. You may be needed. Tetra follows, jogging to keep up with the man's longer stride. Needed? What do you mean? Queen Moraine told us last night that if the castle were to fall to the Dark Ones, we would need to get Lady Shauna out of here. You, Lady Tetra, may be needed to play a decoy. He turns to her, a sort of sad look on his face. 
You know, you look like her. You two could be twins. He looks sorry that this is their only solution, but he has to follow his orders at the same time. Yes, yes, I know. Tell me what needs to be done. Hi everybody, this is Caitlin Costello, the author and narrator of The Frituals. If you've enjoyed this podcast so far, please leave a review or rating where you listened. It really helps to get the podcast in front of more people. If you can't possibly wait for another episode of The Frituals, fear not, because the full audiobook is now available. A slew of stores, including Google Play, Apple, HiBooks, Scribd, Chirp, Kobo, Walmart, Audiobooks.com, and Nook Audiobooks, and it's being added to more stores every single day. It's also available at your local library, so if you request it from your library, they should be able to get it into their system. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. This has been a production of The Frituals, written and performed by Caitlin Costello. Text copyright 2018 to Caitlin Costello. Production copyright 2020, Caitlin Costello.